0: Welcome to the Getting to Know Yuris podcast series. In this episode, I spoke with Abigail, who graduated in 2019. We begin by talking about why she chose URIS and what she did during her degree, including going on the European Union study tour and doing a traineeship in the EU. We then talked about her career journey through the federal government. Abigail shares her experiences in the civil service, the lessons she learned, and advice as someone who worked in several different departments and positions. Be sure to follow us on social media at Eurus Carlton and check out our website, www.carlton.ca slash That's carlton.ca slash E U R U S. So, what did you do before coming to Eurus?
1: Um, so I was actually already at Carleton before URIS. I did my bachelor's in public affairs and policy management at Carleton. Um, so kind of for those more familiar, I guess, with master's programs, it's kind of like the very practical elements of NIPSIA. I took a few NIPSIA courses as a part of that degree, um, and it was kind of my first big exposure to, I guess, more the EU. I was in um, Professor Harlman's class on kind of the basics of the EU. And over the course of that class became astounded that the EU functioned in any way, shape or form um, because it ran contrary to so many things I'd learned about how the international sphere worked um, that I decided to write my honors research essay on it. And that's how I ended up in URIS. So <laughs> my path at Carleton was very much so kind of a, um, a big stepping stone for me to ending up there.
0: So you mentioned that you were kind of doing some of the NIPSIA stuff in your undergrad. Mm-hmm. Were you considering going to to the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs um, instead as a grad program, or were you really going towards URIS?
1: Yeah, NIPSIA had been on the list. Um, part of it being its track record of students ending up in the government, which is kind of where I was thinking I wanted to end up. But I had been encouraged by um, the administrator at at the time um, at the Arthur Kroger College to look at other programs. Um, and she, you know, really recommended that community feeling for URS and how much the profs would kind of engage with you on topics. And she was like, you can easily find your way to government still in the city. Um, but she's like, you know, being that you've taken so many of these very similar structured courses that maybe, you know, it, it might be a good idea to kind of expand that horizon a little bit. And if you're if you're interested in that topic, try it. So I kind of, with that in mind, asked Professor Herman to supervise my honours research essay. Um, And actually, Professor Duvarde Laban was my second reader. And he kind of used that as his recruitment tool (laughs) um, in an effort to kind of show the kinds of things that they would encourage. I I liked how kind of encouraging he was about, you know, finding different ways to look at things, but also how guiding he was in, in terms of his own knowledge base as being you know, these are the things you might want to look at. And these are the things you might find really interesting as as you're kind of exploring that. And and then the chance also to work with Joan, um, being as my own interests were very security focused and she was kind of the closest one in the faculty. And then that, it did, it left a very good impression on me where it was just, I liked that opportunity. I liked that side of it. And um, I'd taken at the time, I'd started to take more courses that had your students in them. And I I liked the dynamic that they presented with the different professors and how they described the program and and all of those pieces. And so um, that was also very beneficial for me.
0: So what did you do um, in the program while you were there? What did you, what courses did you take? What stream were you in? What did your MRP uh, end up being? So what were the more academic sides of your, of your years experience?
1: So I was uh, definitely focused on the EU side of things Um, in, in case you know that. That first intro was a little unclear about where my interests were. Not that I wasn't interested in the other parts, it was just that was kind of the natural progression for me. Um, my year was actually about a 50 50 split between um, the European stream and the Russian stream, which led to some really interesting dynamics in the classes that we had together because there were such big cohorts on both sides. Um, I, I definitely I did take a couple of courses on the kind of Eastern European neighborhood and Russia because I, I felt. You can't really understand Europe unless you understand all of the players in it as much as possible. Um, but my, my, my definite focus was a bit more on that EU side. Um, I took Professor Homer ran a course on Brexit which was really fascinating because obviously during that period it was kind of unfolding um, and then we did things like a, a model Brexit negotiation which was fascinating um, and um, I took another course on the EU in the Eastern neighborhood, um, where we actually did a model negotiation of Minsk as one of the, of the pieces, and that was with Professor DeBar And then I took a kind of a couple more courses on migration and stuff like that, because that was an interest of, of mine um, and, and a space that I wasn't necessarily as familiar with. A lot of my undergrad courses have been more of that conflict and security kind of drivers. Um, so to kind of get a bit more of the sense of how the EU operated in international affairs and then more of those like EU topics um, and those things that were very topical in the EU was was really interesting for me. And then my MRP ultimately led into kind of how did the EU do counterterrorism, which was the answer not very well. Um, you know, security for them, as as I kind of had started to see in my undergrad and more so in my in my graduate program was that security is an area where they, it was very decentralized.
0: So you mentioned also that you were interested in working in the federal government even before you did grad school. Um, did you end up doing the co-op um, at uh, at Carleton?
1: I actually did not, which I'm sure is kind of like a, an <laughs> Um I knew, I think when I was finishing my undergrad, that I was planning on going to grad school straight away. Um, and part of what I had learned about URS was that internship option which I did during my first year Um, and I I was an intern at the embassy of Ireland which was quite the experience Um, and it was you know they were amazing at making sure that we really got to kind of see some of like the the workings of embassies and and that we understood the different kind of roles you might see in an embassy Um, and the staff were really great about answering questions and stuff like that Um, And then from there, I was like, "Mm, I definitely need a bit more work experience than just the one thing. Um, So I signed up for um, a traineeship attached to the EU study tour. And so I spent a couple of months working um, for the European Committee of the Regions in Brussels, which was really interesting. It was not an organ of the EU I was familiar with, Um, but their job is basically to make sure that the opinions and the considerations of the regional and local governments are heard at the European level, which is kind of a fascinating mechanism, and um, they must be consulted on legislation, which I also didn't know. So that was kind of um, an an interesting learning experience there. And I worked on their team that did kind of like the external affairs, security affairs, and and that kind of stuff. And they were amazing at encouraging me to go to different events and speaking series and pieces like that, that were in Brussels. So I could kind of further my studies, but also, you know, really actively see kind of what, people were up to. Um, And so with those two pieces, as a slightly more exciting uh, additions to my resume I applied for, um, I started to apply more for government jobs through FSWET, um, but ultimately ended up on a casual contract at public safety for my first position.
0: Um, I definitely want to get into um, your work and the work right after your degree, but I'm curious, uh, you did the EU study tour? Mm -hmm. How was it?
1: That one is a, it's a really interesting experience. It's a very intense experience. It's a lot of information for not even three weeks. Um, I think we only had like a couple of days fully off um, over the the couple of weeks that we were there. Um, But you kind of, you start, we started off in Brussels um, and you you visit all of these different places. And um, at the time URIS did not have the double degree option with the, I don't remember which university in Belgium it is. But they were just about to explore that we'd been told and we were like oh well we were just there it's kind of hilarious um so we, we spent some time there and um different academics from the schools who um participate in the tour come so there was a prof from montreal a prof from believe it was ubc and and actually joan came and gave a lecture on EU russia relations while we were there um and so we kind of got to spend uh times visiting and we you hear from the different uh people who worked for the eu institutions and it was always really interesting because they all came from such diverse backgrounds with so many member countries you know the, the the experiences that they brought to the table were all very very unique um and then they then it, then the travel part begins and that's where i think it begins a little harder to keep up <laughs> we spend a lot of time on a coach bus um but you know you do like it, the opportunities to learn a lot were there and um, we went to frankfurt to the european central bank um, and you know we went to Strasbourg and we got to speak to an MEP. Um, and we went to the European Court of Justice in Luxembourg. Unfortunately, for our timing purposes, we didn't actually get to see a case. But I've heard in previous years that they were able to see that when they were there. Um, we talked to Eurostat. I am not that into stats, um, but I really admired that you know the, the sheer amount of records that they were able to keep and and that they were so excited by their jobs and that they had the opportunity to do something that, like that, like that's amazing. We went to a lot of places and I, oh, we did the Council of Europe buildings, which was also interesting to hear from those involved in the Council of Europe. Canada does, I think we were told have some kind of relationship with the Council of Europe being it's not an EU institution. Um, it's also kind of the big one that Russia belongs to. Um, and it's kind of the only forum outside of the EU that like a lot of those countries do belong to. And so it was, it was a fascinating kind of juxtaposition the EU that there was this kind of like a larger council um, that that does other pieces, but it is very, very much so like an intergovernmental forum. It, is, it has nowhere near the kind of structures of the EU. And, and that day we had also gone to the European Court of Human Rights, which is its own organ as well, which is kind of fascinating. It was, it was a really interesting way to see how those pieces function and hear from people that actually work in them. Um, so I found that really, really beneficial.
0: So you would recommend that um, anybody goes on that trip?
1: Yeah, it was really interesting. And, you know, I, I don't think necessarily that even if you're not so focused on the EU side of the of the trip that you would feel like you were bored or that you weren't getting something out of it, um, you know? And and we had the opportunity to meet a lot of the staff and, and sometimes we'd see them at events during our traineeships afterwards. And they'd be like, oh yeah, you were that, the, that bunch of Canadians that came around that were interested in things. <laughs> so um, that was really nice. And there were actually a few Canadians you know, that had dual citizenship that were working at the EU institutions, which is also a fascinating kind of element to see how they ended up there. Um, But yeah, the traineeship was fantastic. Um, I think a good number of us stayed, I think about maybe half. Um, And so we used to meet up at least once a week, (laughs) check in on each other, um, because we were all at different places. Um, They kind of try and target traineeships in areas that you would be interested in. So the idea being that like, actually get something out of it not that you're just you know kind of dragging yourself out of bed to go you know that you really are going to get engaged and and do something that's kind of interesting so um i think we all kind of appreciated that really did shape a lot of kind of my interests in terms of where i thought i might end up career-wise and also um you know reaffirming some of those skills that i had been trying to see if you know they were the ones that i needed
0: just going back to the end of your degree and the beginning of your professional journey. So as you were sort of wrapping up your MRP and your coursework, what did you want to do as a next step at that point?
1: If I'm being honest, I think that that point was maybe where I was most stressed. (laughs) I, you know, you're kind of rapidly approaching the end of your degree. Government processes are notoriously slow. Um, you're kind of trying to figure things out. I was also at the time, I think I just was wrapping up a, a research assistantship, um, looking at Brexit and like Canada-UK trade relations, um, which was a joint project between um, two years professors and two UK-based professors. Um, and, and I was a teaching assistant and I was trying to finish this other piece. And so you're kind of, and, and Government casual contracts are a little bit more interesting in the sense they're not bridgeable. So, you know, it it kind of left in a very, um, I guess kind of a bit more of a stressful position than maybe someone who was bridgeable might've felt. Um, But I know that uh, there were a number of us kind of in similar boats at the time. And so I kind of tried to use that casual contract as an opportunity to kind of try and refine some of those skills that I'd started trying to get through in URS. Um, uh, when I did the internship course, for example, they did a lot of things like this, is how you do briefing notes um, and, and those pieces. And so trying to make sure that I had actually learned the skills that I needed to. Um, and, and I was very fortunate that uh, where I was working that they allowed me to do that. And, and they, they made sure that I was able to kind of practice on some of those pieces and, and see how other people did things and, and ask questions. I was always very grateful for anyone who would answer any of my questions because I always had a very long list. <laughs> and I think that that ultimately has been quite useful for me is, is I, my one piece of recommendation for anyone who gets any kind of job experience, any kind of internship is always ask a lot of questions because you, you learn so much by engaging with the people around you and, and they might have tips and tricks that you had not thought of, especially if they've been there a long time, so.
0: Um, what types of questions are you asking?
1: I think some of it was some of them were very like process you know (laughs) so if this is how something starts like where does it end like and and how do we get it there like you know who's got a who do we need to talk to about these things and and who needs to feed into these things and you know who's reviewing and whose expertise do we look to for these different pieces and and I was in a very um, coordinating shop for my first job and so that was kind of a big thing and then Um, but also like other questions, like how did you get into government? Like, are there, are there tips and tricks? Like, how did you go about doing your resumes, um, stuff like that, you know? And like, uh, and, and, those pieces, it was also, again, reaffirming of a lot of the stuff that I had heard from either myself from former URS students or, um, through the courses that I'd taken or the career nights that I'd attended through URS. And so it was kind of reassuring to see that, you know, like a lot of that advice had been very much so correct. And and then those pieces would again prove useful for me and I hope eventually for others. Um, But you know, like those kinds of things about like the clarity of your writing, making sure that for example, when you write a resume that it's obvious to someone who isn't you what skills you picked up, you know, and then making sure you're hitting keywords from the questions you're answering for job applications and stuff like that. And just those gentle reminders of like, yes, it may feel terrible at the time, but it is necessary if you want to, to get to that next step. So and then that was very useful as well. And just again, always that clarity part was every something that's always stressed is making sure that it is clear and to the point. And that I, I found that that sometimes always the one piece from academia that doesn't always translate is the writing style. And so that was an interesting kind of dynamic as well as when I was moving into the government space of finding and I'm sure other people have found that as a similar experience of finding kind of that, that voice that might be different from, you know, writing an MRP, which was a long and arduous process.
0: <laughs> you mentioned that your first um, casual contract was in public safety, correct? Yes. Um, so I don't know if you could give me just like a, maybe like a brief overview of what you were doing. Um, but I'm really curious to know, like, how in line was this job with your interests and your sort of perceived career path?
1: I I mean, I would say that it reaffirmed, I think, where I wanted to end up. Um, And if anything, it kind of showed the kind of variety of jobs that exist within the government. You know whether your interest is in an international shop or in a in a shop that's more domestic facing or if you want a research job that those exist if you want a policy job those exist if you want something that's more project focused those exist and i think that i like I, i'd always figured those kinds of jobs existed but it was the sheer number i think that i was surprised by in terms of the variety and and that it kind of opened my eyes that there were probably other departments I hadn't considered that I might actually find really interesting um, because I had always kind of had that um, interest in kind of that, the international sphere. And so finding like more, that there were more options than I had initially thought for those kinds of jobs was, it was kind of a very eye-opening experience. Um, and I am very grateful that that was, that was the case. And I was able to learn that relatively early on and have not kind of necessarily sat in jobs that I didn't like or I didn't find interesting Um, and and instead kind of learned early that this was the case.
0: (laughs) So can you give me an example of one of those uh, situations?
1: Um, I mean, I ended up working um, on international affairs related things at public safety. That was kind of where I ended up. And then I'd always thought public safety was a very domestic facing organization in comparison to other departments. Um, but it wasn't, and I was very, again, very surprised. Um, and then I did actually go from there, and I did a stint at Global Affairs, um, which was a, a kind of a nice segue, I think, um, in terms of I, I'd worked on similar things, and, and um, it was interesting to see how closely coordinated a lot of the departments were, and how much, you know, that they work, they have to work together in order to get things done, you know, and, and, and I think that that kind of broke down that idea a little bit of very siloed work, for example, um, which I think I'd, I'd also kind of had in my head that things tend to, like they, they're in a lane, and that's not necessarily the case. I'm sure in which for some very specific cases, you know, it is very much so that shot, but like, again, with that international interest in mind to see how the different departments work together was really fascinating, um, and so very helpful for me in terms of trying to figure out, I'm, I'm still not totally sure, you know, one day I want to end up in X position. Um, but I do think like I'm on my way to finding that. And I think that that's very helpful.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I think it's also important to acknowledge that this kind of this expectation that you, that people have like this kind of set career goal, especially when you get asked in interviews constantly, where do you want, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself after this position? But that, a lot of just kind of going in and working in an organization like the federal government is seeing what there is to offer as being exposed to new experiences and sort of like like you said you know questioning some of your assumptions about how how things work
1: yeah and and i i'm very grateful to the teams that i worked with for also encouraging those kinds of you know explorations and being like oh i didn't realize that these were the kinds of things that you would talk to this department about or like this and and that was really interesting and also like you know those quick coffee chats that Many people are ha- happy to have, especially as you're as you're entering into government. They're you know willing to have a conversation with you because they've all been there. They all started somewhere, um, and then that was also reassuring to kind of see that you know that and, and to see that some of them were also still finding their path. You know they'd been there five years and they were still trying to figure out what they were passionate about. Um, and then some of them being like, I thought I was passionate about this, and then I started on this. Instead, I'm you know here I am. And also that some people hadn't changed jobs in a very long time. People seem to change jobs all the time. Like people that I had known, and and part of that might just be the student experience as well, but like, as you know, co-ops, generally people change each semester, each term. Um, Sometimes they might stay for a couple of terms, but usually they're gonna try something else. And so I think in my head, I'd also worked on this assumption that people change jobs very frequently. And so meeting some people that had been like, no, I've been here for like five years. was also reassuring because I think it says something to the work culture as well if people want to stay in a job.
0: So you went from the casual contract of public safety to global affairs directly?
1: Yes, on another casual. So I kind of, I I, I know that this is, it. that's not unusual. It is, it is something that um, a, a lot of people do go through is the, is the series of casual contracts. Um, and, and they're like an interesting experience because you can, there are, there are certain like limits to that, how those work. Um, so I went there and I did a summer with Global Affairs on a casual contract, which was a really interesting experience and, and a great opportunity to network. Um, and there were a few other year students, or oh, I think we'd all just graduated actually. So <laughs> alumni, I guess at the time, um, that we were, you know, there were a group of us that were there at the same time. Um, And that was also a bit reassuring to see that, you know, like other people could also make it from the program, that it wasn't just a fluke, that there were a number of us that had found our way as it
0: were. I'm curious to know, just because global affairs is very much this sought after government department for people coming from Eurus, but also coming from other international relations backgrounds. Um, I have never worked at global affairs, Canada, so I can't necessarily speak for it, but I'm just wondering what is the experience of working there? Does it live up to the marketing, um, hype?
1: It, it is a very interesting department. Um, I would say it's a very fast paced department. Like I was never, there was not necessarily a lot of downtime. Um, you know, it's, it's, but it is a department I think with a lot of options and I had barely scratched the surface in the couple of months that I was there. Um, I know that some people, find that it's not the department for them and not because they don't like it but they find because they're exposed to so much that there are other topics that are more they're more passionate about and so there might be a team somewhere else that's more specific or also works on it but it's just not at global affairs um so like that I found really interesting as a dynamic but also just you know a lot of people stay in global affairs um but you know clearly there's a there's a solid interest of the people who work there um and and then I generally found that the people who worked there were very passionate about whatever it was they were working on. And I did appreciate that as a, as a dynamic and as a, as a way of interacting, because you learn a lot when people are very passionate, because they usually know a lot.
0: So where <laughs> did you go? Where'd you go from there after that casual contract?
1: Um, I actually ended up on a contract back with the Embassy of Ireland, very, very briefly, um, working with them gained a lot of respect for how difficult it must be to work in an embassy you know there's a lot that goes on in that in those kind of positions and and you know the internship at URIS is fantastic kind of for getting your feet wet but it is a day a week usually maybe two days a week and so I think it is a bit of a different dynamic to go and work somewhere five days a week um but I again I worked with fantastic people and I, I definitely learned a lot um and then relatively quickly and by relatively quickly I think it was like me less than two months. I ended up at uh, Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship Canada on a term contract. So slightly closer to an indeterminate.
0: (laughs) And is that where you're there now? Are you still on the same contract?
1: No, I got an indeterminate offer eventually from IRCC. And I've since actually changed teams. So I've stuck around at IRCC now for a couple of positions. And I, I really enjoy the atmosphere of IRCC. It's a lot of really, really passionate people um working very, very hard on their respective files. And um, it's it's a very interesting work. And I it is not a space that I necessarily had thought I would end up in, despite my initial, you know, interest in kind of like the movements of people. Um, but it has been a, a really great place to learn and, and develop skills. And um, I've really appreciated my time there.
0: And what do you do? Like, what's your team? What uh, what work do you do um, at IRCC?
1: Um, I work in Refugee Affairs Branch at IRCC.
0: And is it more on, like, the policy side, research side, um, kind of more operations side?
1: Yeah, so I have stayed, I think, much more on the policy side thus far in my career. Um, It's interesting. What I've really found is an interesting dynamic at IRCC is that there's a lot of encouragement of kind of getting ops experience. Um, as well, and that they see that as a really beneficial thing, or at least a lot of the people that I've encountered do that as a really beneficial thing to kind of have an understanding of what the flip side is, right? If you're writing the policy, someone's got to actually do the work that comes out of that policy. And so understanding both pieces is is something that's seen as a, as an asset by a lot of people. And that's, I think, also something I hadn't expected, but I really, really like.
0: <laughs> so now that we've sort of arrived at today, more or less, um, I'm just wondering, you mentioned a little bit about, um, you know, the transition from grad school to, mm-hmm. uh, professional life. I'm wondering though, was there things at URIS that you learned, um, or skills that you acquired at URIS that have helped you in your career journey so far?
1: I think as much as I didn't necessarily love every element of writing a, an MRP, um, the, the time management skills that that teaches you are really, really useful. Um, and that, you know, you understand what it means to be in a long-term project. That's and I and I, I'm sure it's even more intense for some of the people to do like thesis options, for example, because I know that, that that's quite the long haul and a lot of work. Um, but also the research skills are invaluable, understanding quality open sourcing, for example, um, you know, which academic sources to go to if you need other pieces, what organizations you might understand topics more that one though I think probably depends on if you end up in a field similar to what you worked on but I you know like I found those skills really useful and and the work experiences that I did get through URIS were invaluable in starting my own career journey post school um you know that they really did reaffirm I think what I wanted and I really appreciated having those opportunities to do so in school and then I I know that a lot of people get those experiences through co-op, but I think it's important to know that there are paths outside of co-op to getting those things. If, you know, the the cards don't line up that you can do co-op for whatever reason, that there are ways to get those experiences and that, um, that I did find incredibly valuable. And like the idea that I had practice in some of the courses of writing shorter essays or briefing note style kind of pieces, um, for example, in the internship class and I think One of my classes on Russia was also briefing note style, for example, for all the assignments and stuff like that. And those pieces I also really, really found helpful in terms of sharpening my writing and making sure that, you know, you learned how to efficiently present information, for example, because the MRP gives you the space to really dig down deep, which is also a very important skill to have depending on the job you get. I'm sure for research jobs, for example, like that, that's a very, very important skill to have
0: yeah absolutely i mean i'm doing co-op right now and i already see how these things are really helpful um but also the fact that it's really is important to get this career experience and to get the job experience um for people who want to continue in working in the civil service or in other types of jobs but also even if you're not sure that you want to do that or if you're thinking of academia to actually say hey what's it like to do a nine to five what's it like to write for this type of job as well, I think is just really invaluable stuff that Eurus has an abundance of opportunities for.
1: Yeah, and I think that um, I lucked out in the sense that my exposure to Eurus happened so early that I knew that. But I I knew that like I knew other people who were kind of like, oh, Eurus offers those kinds of things. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, at the time, and and there were more YouTube videos done with people with a much broader variety of experiences, for example, that were able to kind of speak to a lot of those different paths that they take in within URIS. Um, whether it be, you know, like I knew loads of people that went into research trips, for example, um, you know, they went and they conducted interviews or they went, and they accessed archives places and stuff like that, um, which are also incredibly beneficial experiences. Um, but it was definitely what I really, really appreciated about the program was that idea of I was able to reassure myself that I indeed was on the path that I wanted to be on and get experience that would help me continue on that path in the future. Um, Because I think that that had been my fear going and choosing a grad school was that I was gonna miss out on something of vital importance to my future development. Um, And then I was really, really pleased that I didn't have that as an experience at URIS, that URIS was able to give me a lot and I was able to take advantage of so much
0: yeah and to your point about hearing from other people's backgrounds that's the purpose of this podcast is to have conversations with the extremely diverse group of students and alumni who um, have been and worked everywhere um, it's really cool to see um, and for me to learn um, about all these experiences and to get to talk to, to all these people as well and and see that there's so many opportunities for for people who go through the program that uh, that are available that uh, that Euros helps with and that Euros prepares people well for.
1: Yeah and and I think as well the other really, really cool piece was you know that the professors have vast networks as well. Um, whether it be you know, people at academia or, um, or otherwise that, you know, that they will bring in to talk to you or that they will put you in touch with um, if you have questions and, and that they're always looking for ways to kind of connect people with opportunities as well. Um, and, and that was something I really appreciated. And it is one of the benefits probably of a smaller program. Like I think Uranus is usually about roughly 20 a year in terms of its cohort size. Like it's not a huge group of people. And I think there are definitely benefits to that. As much as I, my other piece on the flip side of that is that because of where URIS is, it's got a lot of access to other faculties. You know, if you have those kind of cross faculty interests, for example, that like, you know that they there's other networks that the professors can tap into to help you, and that they will do so. Um, I, I found was just also fantastic in terms of a learning experience.
0: I'm so happy that. Um you enjoyed your URS experience and that it helped you in your career path and um thank you very much for sitting down and talking to me today it was really interesting to hear about uh, to hear about your journey
1: yeah thanks for reaching out and um, best of luck to you and to other future your students i'm i'm sure that you know there'll be a lot of success stories for the faculty to talk about in the future as
0: well. Thank you for listening to this episode. Be sure to check out the other episodes from this series and follow us on social media at Eurus Carlton. For more information about the program, as well as a guide on how to register, key dates and deadlines, be sure to check out our website, www.carlton.ca slash